Welcome back to Living at the Mercy of the Moment, a podcast created especially for this moment in the pandemic. I'm Shira Dicker, your host. Living at the Mercy of the Moment invites you to join conversation between me and Jeanette Peyrutz-Elsner. Jeanette is the author of the forthcoming autobiography, MS as Metaphor, a memoir of life at the mercy of the moment. Jeanette's memoir documents her almost improbably challenging life journey, which culminated in the development of multiple sclerosis when she was a young woman. As you will discover, Jeanette has a message for listeners and the world at large. If you want help surviving this impossibly difficult moment, perfect your powers of resilience. This is episode 14, The Positive Power of Negativity. Today, we are joined by Jeanette Peyrutz-Elsner, her son David Elsner, and David's friend Jen, who has lived with epilepsy for the past 20 years. During the first portion of our episode, we will hear from Jen and David, and then our conversation will turn to Jeanette for the second half of our broadcast. So first, I want to welcome you, Jen and David. Morning, Shira. Hi, David. Jen, are you with us? Yes. Hello. Hi, Jen. Welcome. Welcome. So, David, you're a frequent guest on Living at the Mercy of the Moment. And a few weeks ago, you suggested that Jen join our podcast. Why did you feel that her voice was an important voice for this conversation? I mean, actually, it was pretty easy because I've known Jen for a while. And she's, of course, a very nice girl. And then and when she met my mom, they just had an instant uh, connection. They had wonderful conversation, getting to know one another, uh, relating to one another, sharing their stories. And from Jen and what Jen has shared with me, I thought I was just saying to her, I think it'd be just so important and amazing that you share your story uh, with us and uh, join our podcast. To me, it was just an easy decision to have to bring her on board for this podcast. Great. I'm so glad for your recommendation. Jen, in our conversation last night, you spoke about your experience during the pandemic. You've worked with kids with special needs. Can you first begin by talking about your job? Well, I just want to say I'm honored to be here as a guest. And yeah, my job is amazing and very rewarding. I've gone through a disability for more than half of my life without having an actual mentor who has had a disorder. And I actually thought that I'd like to do that for some kids who have disabilities and have someone to share or give them some advice with the same kind of uh, challenges that they are going through, even if they don't have the same disability. Um, and I feel comfortable being a part of the community um, with people who have disabilities, even if they 
don't walk in my shoes, but they walk in a similar path. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you and I spoke last night, Jen, we talked about how difficult the restrictions of the pandemic are for everyone. However, some populations are especially hard hit. For instance, young people. David, you and I have also spoken about this, including on our Facebook Live conversation of two weeks ago. So Jen, I'll turn to you. What's the most difficult for you during the pandemic? Um, I think it's difficult now during the pandemic because I have more time to really dissect my life. And it's knowing that there's the good, the bad, and the pretty ugly. And some days I really just don't want to get up, not just during the pandemic, but also just because in general, before the pandemic, I just don't have the energy and the motivation. But especially now during the pandemic, because my structure has kind of been broken and I only have time and I can only really participate in doing my own schoolwork for college or university and who is really that motivated to get up and do that when they don't have time to and the ability to go to work which for me gives me great joy um I could go to work but that's not a possible opportunity because due to my epilepsy some side effects for people with epilepsy is having a low immune system and I do have a low immune system and also I'm being protective of my own family members due to the pandemic. Wow. All right. Now that's, that's, uh, that's a lot there. So David, is there anything you wanted to add about being your age, which is 30 during the, this phase in the pandemic, especially as vaccinations are being rolled out? How do you feel with the developments of the past day? Well, um, to be honest, I mean, first of all, it's very encouraging. It's very exciting. But as I've said in our Facebook Live, I knew there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a matter of time and patience, which I'm aware a lot of people don't have because we're all exhausted from the from COVID. I mean, you always talk about COVID fatigue. So I'm, I'm honestly, I was just waiting for this because I knew it was going to come. I always knew there was going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And now that there's a vaccine. We all have even more hope that we're going to turn more to normal. And I want to reference something back on the Facebook Live, what I said. I don't want to go back to the way things were. I want to, mm-hmm. not only that, I want it, everything to be even better than they were before. You know, that's what I want. So I think people should really take that into consideration and never take things for granted. And you know, that's really uh, where I am uh, right now. And again, it's very encouraging. And as I said on Facebook Live, I'll say it again. We are going to get through this. We're already getting through this. It may, unfortunately, it may get worse before it gets better. But nonetheless, it will get better. That's my position. Mm. 
All right. Thank you for that. Um, And now I really want to get to the heart of this episode's theme, the positive power of negativity. Jen, last night you said something that really struck me, that you sometimes feel like an actress in your own life having to play a particular role. What did you mean by that? Um, I meant that not everything is as it seems, that people can play a role in their life and put on a veil, as so to speak, figuratively, and they could see through the veil or the mask, the outside world, and other people can't exactly see what is really going in um, and what's going in during someone's inner feelings or inner self. Um, I'm a very good actress for my own self and I can put on a happy face. I could stand there smiling and waving and saying everything's good when actually Mm. deep down things are not going that well and I could be depressed. I just before said I would rather stay in bed and have a have a bad day and have a day where I just need to recoup but mm-hmm. I will a lot of the time push myself and be like yeah I'm doing fine um I know mm-hmm. many people say oh you've got this or keep going or mm-hmm. they mention they understand and it's like yeah you can say that because you're just supporting me you're on the outside you don't exactly live the life that I live um but I know if they swapped lives with me for even just a day they would be able to realize that life is not as simple as they thought it was Hmm. wow all right uh David um, Jen, first of all, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, David, as the son of someone with MS, you have also noted that people do not want to hear the difficult truth of what your mom goes through. Can you add to Jen's incredibly honest observations and thoughts? Well, first thing I want to say is, I mean, I commend Jen and I have so much respect for her for saying this and coming on the podcast and sharing her story. And it's true, people don't want to hear um, or have trouble hearing the truth uh, about my mom or just, you know, it even goes further than that. I hear a lot of people say, how you doing? And people say, oh, I'm good and all that kind of piggybacking what Jen was <laughs> saying. And they're yeah. obligated to say I'm good when sometimes they, sometimes they may be feeling good, sometimes they're not. But it's like they're saying that because they don't want to burden people. And what Jen was saying they're supporting or saying, oh, you got this. You're going to pull through. Yeah, it's so much easier to say that because they're not going through that. Now, for my mom, when I say it to her, I take everything into account. I don't just say, you got this. This is what you need to do. No, I am just there for and support her. Because unless you have that, you have no idea what it, you have no idea what it feels like. So I don't, sometimes I don't like when people say, you got this. I mean, it's good to an extent, no question. 
But if that's all you're going to say, it's almost if that's what you're going to say on a consistent basis. To me, it's it becomes empty words. It needs to be more than that. And from mm. everything my mom has gone through, that's really made me realize I need to be not just supporter, but really do everything I can to help her. Not just words, but actions. The old cliche, actions speak louder than the words. That's what I'm about. And mm -hmm. when Jen, say, Jen was saying about how, you know, if, you, if the lives were swapped, you could not, they wouldn't be able to fathom it. She absolutely right. And that's what I always say. If it was the other way around, I, I, I couldn't even put it into words. So I always, mm -hmm. the thing that I do best, or at least for me, is I look at both sides. I try to put myself in the other person's shoes, saying, like, what would that happen if I was in that position? So I always, so when I give advice, I always look at that. That's way I know it's not just giving advice, but it's also taking your own advice and being able to help back it up and just being there for like in every way you can in the most sincere, most helpful and honest way. All right. Thank you, David. Jen, if there was something one thing maybe you wanted, it doesn't have to be one thing, but if there was something core, you wanted people who do not suffer from epilepsy to understand about you, what would it be? Um, I think it would be that even though I was diagnosed with epilepsy, um, it still is a burden. And even though People use this term a lot that um, you're only given what you can handle in life. Uh. Um, you know, it it's true. The strong can handle what is given to them. And it, I can say it's been a blessing because, or a blessing in disguise, because it has given me greater insight into what I really should be doing with my life. And it has grounded me a great amount. But still, it's not something that you can always handle. And even though it makes you stronger, it also makes you weak. So it's not always that you are stronger it's that did I really want this like even though mm -hmm. even though you've been blessed with something that you can handle it's like but did I really deserve it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep uh, and more about that uh, later on in our conversation but right now thank you Jen and David for this and now we're going to turn the microphone over to Jeanette to discuss our topic at hand, the positive power of negativity. Jeanette, welcome to the conversation. Hi, Shira. I just wanted to mention uh, something about Jen, Jen's conversation. Mm -hmm. Jen, I thought it was beautiful. It was deeply moving, very truthful. And it's really, you moved me greatly with your words, your intelligence, your sensitivity, you're getting into the core of all these disabilities we all share. There are different manifestations of suffering, 
but we're all unified in understanding. And I applaud and commend you, and you move me very much, Jen. Thank you very much. <laughs> Jen, it is, I have to tell you, I'm taking notes. I don't know if you can hear the scratching of my pen. So many things that you mentioned are going to seed the conversation that we now have. Um, so, Jeanette, let's get into the weeds here about the importance of honoring authentic feelings. You bring not only your experience of living with MS, but also your training in clinical psychology. Talk to me about the importance of truth-telling, even when the truth is not what others want to hear. It's very important because your, your authenticity is liberating. It's enriching for yourself, for other people. It's unifying. It's given me tremendous empowerment, especially uh, during this pandemic. But before this pandemic, I felt every morning I would have a mantra. This is for years. I am grateful. I have gratitude that I can take this step, that I can see, that I've gotten to the door. And that, that trajectory of gratitude was always very empowering. And I find now, during this pandemic, um, I, I, at this period of time right now, I'm going through a pretty uh, difficult, extremely difficult, one of the most difficult periods I've had in 30 years. And from, I'll say today, moments, from moment to moment, there'll be a, a, a vacillation of, 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 of ability or inability for today i i was thinking it's so i'm so happy this moment as opposed to one moment ago because i can do this i it's a simple thing so that authenticity that acknowledgement of the simple ability is is very liberating because it's a freedom it, I, there's a freedom of expression of gratitude. Grat, you know, during this, I'm going off topic, but in this pandemic, you know, people could be so much happier. Happier is a happy is a misnomer. Happiness mm -hmm. is a fleeting moment. However, this pandemic can really free the world, and and feel in a feeling of happiness because. The world has gone through hell. Everyone in different respects has gone through a hellish experience. And from this, really, I really feel we can be happy. We truly can be happy because we've gone mm -hmm. from the depths of, of pretty much despair to mm -hmm. freedom. So this is a chance for humankind to authentically be really, we can be happy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, I so agree with, with this. And I have to say, I want to go back. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of so many of the seeds that Jen planted earlier. And I want to, I want to take Jen's seeds and, and sort of sprinkle the water of your words upon them and let, and, and explore some of the beautiful 
flowerings that come from them. So number one, let me just start, Jeanette, with what you just said. It has occurred to me so many times, but never more strikingly than now, that there's something about our perception of the world that depends on opposites, right? We can only appreciate the light when we emerge from the dark, right? If there was no night, we would not be dazzled by sunshine. If there was no frost, we would not appreciate warmth. If there was no perception of hunger when our stomachs are empty, we would not crave food and we would not appreciate um, taste. And by the way, I do want to return to this weird and, and marked symptom of coronavirus that some people experience, the loss of taste and loss of, of smell. So I think you're right in this. I know you're right. I feel it in my in every fiber of my being that there is an opportunity here that we dare not squander, the opportunity to be uplifted, to really evolve into a more empathetic um, and more alert and more vibrantly alive version of ourselves with the waning of this threat to human life with the end of the pandemic, the coming end of the pandemic, which seems like it's within our viewfinder and should be happening maybe about a year from now as the vaccines continue to roll through the world. Um, so I wanna salute this idea uh, about the opportunity that we have and the opportunity that comes from the cessation of that, which is horrible, the proximity of death, the ubiquity of death. And then if it's okay, I just want to hopscotch to what Jen said. This thing, this fallacy that, Jen, I must tell you, it makes me crazy when I hear people say, God only gives you the suffering that you can handle. To that, I say BS. To that, I say, who came up with that? No offense, but it sounds like bad Christianity. And I just... I don't think, I think Jews are pretty clear about the fact that suffering is really bad and nobody asked for it and we don't want it. We don't need it. We've had too much of it. It's that's bad theology. Even I don't agree with it. I think people are zapped all the time with things that are beyond their capacity to, to deal with, with things that are unjust. Um, listeners to this podcast may know that I've referenced dear friends who recently lost a young adult son. no, they can't handle that. They shouldn't have to handle that. Nobody on this planet should have to handle that. This is life. Life is not fair. Life is frequently not kind. But we as human beings could be fair. We could aspire to being fair. We can certainly aspire to kindness. So, Jen, I just wanted to affirm to you that when I've heard that, and I will, if I'm in within the vicinity of somebody stating that, I will usually speak up and give my opinion that that is a false statement that everywhere in every place on God's green earth, people are asked to endure things that they really should not be. And whether we can condition ourselves and find the strength to endure it is immaterial. Um, you did not need epilepsy. Jeanette did not eat MS and the world did not need the pandemic. I think once we have these things, then it shifts, right? Then the question is, Jen, how you're choosing because of your um, inner strength, moral fiber, way of looking at the world, sensitivity, authenticity, you know, that is one thing. And the same 
Jeanette is obviously true of you, but I just wanted to put out there Shira's theology, which is that no, none of us asked for this. None of us asked for anything. Children did not ask for cancer when they get it. Um, dogs who run out into the street and get hit did not ask for that. None of this. Suffering is somehow, I don't, I don't have a good answer on, on why it happens, but suffering is part of the human condition and people suffer disproportionately. That's the other thing I wanted to say. When somebody says something like, well, everyone's dealing with something that's also BS. Sorry. Some people have disproportionate suffering. Some afflictions are worse than others. And um, my whole life, it's kind of me, kind of driven me crazy when people with relatively trivial hardship um, sort of find analogies uh, that are not only non-analogous, but kind of obscene. But I now I digress. So I want to go back to this, this authenticity thing, the power of negativity. And David, you yourself said this whole pressure, right? And we've talked about this. What's the right answer when someone says, hey, David, how are you? The answer is the society is telling us to say fine, mm -hmm. right? Now, the answer could be, you know what? I'm having the worst flipping day of my life, but somehow... It's the rare person who wants to hear the truth. Jeanette, you don't have to be specific at all. You can be if you want. Can you talk about sometimes uh, what your, you know, your own frustration at wanting to express, wanting to really tell a dear person about just how awful your day has been and how difficult it is sometimes for the person to take that in. Can you talk about that in all its dimensions and what you, again, as somebody with a training, professional training in psychology, what's going on for you giving over that information? And what, on the other end, what prevents a good person, a caring person sometimes from being able to exercise empathy or just to receive the truth. Well, I will measure my, re my response. Someone will ask me, how am I? And I can feel by the intonation and the inflection of the question that my response will not be well-received or helpful to me. It's, it's painful, actually. Someone will ask me, a person dear to me, will ask me, how am I? And when I have, I'm authentically brave to attempt to say, and it's measured, I'm really giving a small dimension of perhaps the agony I'm going through, agony, and it's, it's not, uh, I, I feel they don't want to hear it. They don't, they ask the question and then you're left, I'm left, you're left burdened, almost naked, naked in exposure that's been not well received. And it's a horrible feeling to really, I want to express myself, just a semblance, a little bit of the truth, of the ugliness of what I could be, or the pain of what I go through and 
also I'm very hopeful. So I'm not giving out raw difficulty. I, it's, it's difficulty, it's sadness, it's, it's hopeful. However, very rarely will I get a response that's, that I feel acknowledged. It's, it's, I get it with you. There are very few people who can go into my heart, into my, and, and receive me. And when a person, when I attempt to be authentic, it, and it's not well received, or it's not acknowledged, or it's negated, or simplified, I feel raw in, it, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jeanette, I, and it's interesting because I'm sitting here thinking now, why am I able to receive? And I, you're right. I am. And not only that, but I, I hunger and I thirst for the authenticity. I wish the answer with you was, you know what? I'm having a pretty amazing day for you. Not because I need to hear that, but I'm sitting here and wondering, and I think it's because I'm comfortable sitting with my, in my own dark night of the soul, right? Which will be more emotional, existential, spiritual, um, uh, and not related to a physical infirmity. Um, and that's a big thing. And I'll never forget. And I, I think I've mentioned this in previous broadcasts. And Jen, I think I mentioned this to you last night that Jeanette, I was so struck by something you said to me. I was talking to you about somebody in a very painful relationship who seemed stuck. And you said to me, tell this woman that if you had the use of your two legs, you would simply walk out the front door that it takes that kind of clarity of vision, right? She doesn't know that she's as free as she is her. It's an illusion that she can't leave. And, and your vision becomes clarified when you're in an extreme situations such as you are because of the limitations brought about by MS. And I imagine, Jen, for you with epilepsy, like you say, um, if someone could even trade a single day, like they have no idea. And the truth is really, it's really a literal thing. It's not just a saying, you have no idea. They literally have no idea what your day is like, what it's like hour to hour. Uh, You mentioned to me, Jen, that I believe you can't drive because of the epilepsy, right? I mean, so that's its own thing. Um, And that involves all kinds of logistics in order to get from point A to point B, especially during the pandemic. I think I've taken a cab four times and each time, frankly, with all the windows open, wearing two masks and my face hanging out the window. And the driver is probably thinking, what a psychopath. But that's, you know, that's my, that's my protocol uh, during this. But getting back to the matter at hand and the ability to, to hear, uh, to, to be empathetic, I think it takes, it takes a certain ability to experience, to tolerate discomfort and to hear the other person's discomfort and to hear an answer beyond fine. And I think it's also part of our American fabric, isn't it, Right. Americans are widely ridiculed for being chirpy and can do. And Jen, you and I talked about people wanting you to tie a nice pretty bow on everything and be like the good epilepsy person, right? The person with that 
great attitude, Jeanette, you the can do person, right? And and this this podcast episode is dedicated to just you know throwing the bow away, throwing the smile away, and just saying, can we you know, be real? Shira, I just wanted things, to say, along yeah, with yeah. parallel to Jed, there we there's this is a culture, or we are compelled to be inauthentic. Not there's a rejection, there's a negation of authenticity. If we say, if I were to say. Many times I tell the truth, it's shut down. It's shut down. People don't want to hear it. That needs to change. It has to change. Mm -hmm. It has to change mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. this yeah. inauthenticity is very, it's very painful for the person who is suffering. And I can say for myself, there's a lot of inauthenticity in my expression, despite I'm a very positive and hopeful person through all this pandemic. Uh, this is this, as I said before, is an appendage for me. It's nothing. It's so familiar. It's mm -hmm. absolutely nothing. So mm -hmm. that has given me tremendous empowerment. Uh, but this inauthenticity, as David said, and as Janice, it has to stop because it's such a suppression of self. It's 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 shutting oh it's 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 absolutely horrible it's also very isolating and we're living in a world right now where people are encouraged to speak about um their story or what they're going through how is that going to continue if we're obligated mm -hmm. to say hey everything is good you know th that's where it all starts those are the basics that really set the tone for really being open with people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because this brings us back to the point, Jeanette, that you made about the opportunity of this moment. And I think also I realized something I hadn't realized before. When we talk about this pressure to be inauthentic, we are talking about a culture of denial. And we now know how deadly denial is, right? Coronavirus denial is pretty damn deadly. And we're seeing the results of that. And denial of the experiences of human beings um, in general, and especially during this time, is potentially deadly. We need to open ourselves up to hear the authentic stories. Um, I'm going to shift a little bit because I'm looking at the time and we are going to have to wrap it up. But I noticed um, the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I'm sorry, the beginning of the episode alludes to this podcast as being, especially for what I called this moment in the pandemic. Now, we began this in July. Guess what? The moment in the pandemic has actually changed. So before we sign out, I just wanted to talk about this new moment in the pandemic, the moment of the rollout of the vaccine, the beginning of the light at the end of the tunnel. And I wanted to say something speaking of authenticity, and I'm going to reference my daughter, Emma. Emma called me last week and she confessed to something that immediately not only melted my heart, but I understood exactly what she was talking about. She said to me, mom, isn't this unbelievable? She said, the vaccines are going to happen. And she said, and yet I find I'm like a basket case. I'm so, I'm crying all the time. And I said, oh my God, I know exactly what you mean. She said, not tears of happiness. It's something else. I said, I know what the tears are. 
It's the tears of the wanting to believe and being afraid to believe. It's the tears of what I call the Ne'ila portion of Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, Jewish Day of Atonement is a fast day, grueling fast day, 25 hours. It's difficult. I always experience, you know, what I call like near-death experiences at the end. And the Ne'ila is the final service of the day. And typically what me and my family go through at that point is, you know, we're having mirages. We're like draped over the banister in synagogue. We feel like we can't make it. And yet there's the light at the end of the tunnel. And there's that psychological thing where we feel like something, something's going to happen. We're never going to get a morsel of food again. And I said, we're in that moment of the pandemic that if the pandemic is Yom Kippur and maybe it is, maybe that's actually a really good analogy. We're in that moment before it's the end. It's both most hopeful and most difficult. And I said to my daughter, I get it. There's something we're on shaky ground here and we've been traumatized. And I think the full extent of the trauma is going to come out afterwards. I think in our last episode, Jeanette, we may have talked about the PTSD, right? We're going to get a lot of people are going through stuff, all of us, some more than others, some because they lost a loved one in, in general, period. Some because they lost a loved one whom they were separated from. Some because their entire life was disrupted. Their jobs, they couldn't get to their jobs. They lost their schedules. They lost their their rhythm. They were isolated, right? Um, others experienced just constant fear. Who is? I, I don't understand the people who are not fearful. I don't get that. My youngest son, Judah who's 25, said to me, I said, Tim, what's the worst part of this? He said, constantly being afraid, constantly not knowing if I'm safe. And that surprised me because I associate 25 with a kind of recklessness sometimes. And um, and now just in Jewish mother fashion, because I mentioned two of my children, I have to mention the third of <laughs> my son, Adam, who is currently on a train from Munich to his wife's home in the Dolomites in Italy. And of course my heart is in my mouth and he, he uh, tried to reassure me with all the amazing protocols uh, in Europe that are being followed that are not present here. Um, and that's its own anxiety, the anxiety of moms, you know, who have children who are on trains during this time. That is the most Jewish mother thing I think I've ever said in my entire life. But anyway, I just wanted to give everybody an opportunity to say something before we bring this to a close. So Jen, David, Jeanette, anything you wanted to say before we wrap up? Um, Well, I I just think this was a beautiful podcast. Again, I, I commend Jen and the, we have tremendous parallels, this whole idea of, of suffering Yet, from suffering, there can be tremendous hope. I, it's, it, I feel very hopeful. I feel very hopeful for the world. I feel hopeful that this pandemic will free people to realize that there, after deep suffering, that, that what, what we've all gone through, we can rise up and really be happy. This is our potential for the most positive and humane expression of happiness. So this pandemic could have done tremendous help for humanity, for the human condition, 
for kindness. I did we lose Jeanette? Hello? Hi, are we Hi. are we back? Jean yes. yes. Jeanette, are you there? Ah, Jenny, so you know what? I'll hand over to you. Somehow we lost the connection with David and Jeanette. But uh, Jenny, is it is there anything you don't have to, but is there anything you did want to say at this opportunity? Well, I believe that the truth with the pandemic and with everything, especially with opening up about one's emotions, um, is just really going to bring positivity to the world and to everyone in general. Mm. And I realized that during this podcast, it brought great positivity and authenticity for everyone while we were expressing our highs and lows we were able to relate to one another and tie in everything that we all had in common and we brought in the pandemic and how there were highs and there are well, there are going to be highs and there were lows throughout it. And it's like a roller coaster. And that also is similar to someone with a disorder that mm -hmm. there are highs some days, there are lows, but there's always something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Jenny, thank you for that. And I think we might be joined again by David and Jeanette. So we have reached the end of our episode. Thank you for joining us for Living at the Mercy of the Moment. If you like what you've heard, please share news of our podcast with your friends and loved ones. We are opening a public conversation on what it means to go through the pandemic, guided by Jeanette Peyritz-Elsner and guests Jeanette's life offers guidance and wisdom on resilience, transcendence, and survival. Jeanette, as always, thank you for the conversation. Thank you, David, and especially thank you, Jen. Thank you to our audience for tuning in. I'm accepting comments, questions, and offers to be on the show by email at shiradicker18 at gmail.com. That's S-H-I-R-A-D-I-C-K-E-R-1-8 at Gmail. May your moments be merciful. May we get through this challenging time strengthened. May we extend comfort to those who are suffering. May we be inspired to fight the good fight. And may the world heal.